Again, I want to welcome you and thank you for being here for this equip workshop on uh, uh, death and dying and and grief care as also as, as well as how to conduct and plan funeral services. I hope you've already watched the first portion. We had a good discussion uh, with the students here here live with us. We had some great questions that were raised during our our transitional time. And let me just make a comment based upon some of those comments. Um, I think what we really want to try to say to you very practically is to be as proactive as you can in your preparation. Think about some of the questions that we're raising and think about what your own beliefs are. Have a good hermeneutic of death and dying as part of your church leadership skill set to where if someone's asking you about where is grandpa now or where is this 10-year-old child now and you have in your mind the way to respond to those questions and the fact that you know, in the context of the, the funeral service itself, in the context of that grief process, may not be necessarily the best time to address that completely. Uh, but at times, you may not have a, a choice either. They, they, they might need to address these things. And, and that's why what we have to do at, at some point is just be honest and biblical. The Bible tells us this. So stay out of the realm of your subjective opinion. Stay in the realm of what I refer to as the biblical object, objective stay in that that biblical zone to where this is what the bible says and 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 so you know you you need to mourn with them at times um if someone has died who's lost and everyone knows that you know there's not really a lot of debate about that then you're mourning with these people over that but you're also really trying to focus that time on their help and their hope for the future so uh, Dr. Bill Bullier is here with me, the lead pastor at Wake Crossroads Baptist Church here in Wake Forest, and we are absolutely indebted to Bright Funeral Home here in Wake Forest also, and uh, they're going to be helping us. What we're going to do now for the next few moments is, is less kind of walk through this, I think maybe chronologically might be as helpful as anything. So let's, let's say that we're, we're leaders in a church, and we just, we, we got that phone call. Might be midnight, might be three in the afternoon, might be three in the morning. And we just got that phone call, someone has died, someone has passed away. Sometimes, and we, we need to talk about this too, sometimes you're there. Mm -hmm. It could be in ICU, it could be hospice care, uh, it could be in the home or, or some other scenario. And sometimes you're actually there at the moment of death, which creates its own unique opportunity for ministry and, and you need to be prepared for that. I, I know some, some students certainly who've never seen anyone dead. Mm -hmm. uh, they've never seen a dead body. And, and that can be quite a jolt. They've certainly never seen anyone die, you know, uh, right in front of them before. And so, again, to have yourself emotionally prepared for this. But before we, so before we take that next step, let's go to the hospital room for a second. Let's go to that hospice situation, which hospice has really, to me, been a tremendous gift. Um, maybe it's the, the nursing home. Maybe it's in hospice care and they're at their own home. Maybe it's in a hospital. Uh, but but this, is a, this has been a, a suspected, expected moment, and you're there with the family at the moment of death. What would you do at that moment, Bill, when someone passes away right there in front of you? Yeah. Well, I think at that moment, you've got to reach out to family members who are there and express your love, your compassion, your concern for them, especially if they've been anticipating this for some time. So it's great for you as a pastor to be able to share that moment with them. But uh, I think you need to verbalize that. You need to show that. You need to pray with them, you know, at some juncture, maybe not immediately at the moment the last breath is taken, but let them kind of settle with their own emotions as they, as they respond to a grandmother uh, passing away. 
And of course, then the nurse, the the employee is going to come. They're going to deal with the body and preparing the body to be picked up by the funeral home. In that process, you may need to step out of the room for a while when that's taking place. But ultimately, many times they'll ask you to come back in, and they've kind of resituated things, and the family can once again view the body, this one whom they've loved for so very long. Well, guys and gals, just walk with them through that process. You just be there, love them, stand with them, weep with those who weep. You know, and. Then at some juncture before the body is taken, I think it'd be well just to pray with them and to pray for God's strength and grace, uh, especially for those next several days they're going to face. Yeah, and just and this again is this, these are some of those relationships you develop. Know know your local hospital uh, uh, people, know your hospice yeah. people, because there are going to be these practical moments. If someone's in ICU, for example, and there there are 14 tubes running out of them, uh, you know, often before the moment of death, they start removing some of that anyway. But then there's often there is this moment where the nurses come back in and they might want to to, to tend to the body, clean it up, situate it a little bit, get rid of the the respirator or whatever might be going on there. And so these are moments that you need to be strong. You need to be a help to that family. And you might want to help guide them over here for just a few moments and let me share with you and let's pray together while, you know, or, or something while they're taking care of that. And then you come back in with them and, and agree with them. So there's some practical steps there as well. So I just wanted to hit on that. I thought that we touched on that because that'll be, that'll be a common occurrence in ministry opportunities uh, as well. And I do think, John, that for some who've not been around a dead body, that, you know, you got to get prepared for that. And whatever that takes for you to do that, I was called just a few months ago, very early on Sunday morning, like 1230 in the morning, man had passed away and the family wanted me to come right then. So what do you do? You go right then, you know, and, and, uh, and as soon as I arrived at the house, I knew his body was still going to be there. And so as soon as I got there, they walked me back to the bedroom and there he was, you know, lying there. Well, I've, I've been there before, done that, you know, but I think especially starting out, you, those are awkward moments, folks, for, for those first experiences. So you just kind of take a deep breath and uh, lean on the Lord and say, Father, get me through this process and be everything you possibly can be in those, in those moments. So we get a phone call, 1230 at night. Uh, and uh, sometimes we might go to where the family is immediately, depending upon the context. And so that's what we would do, what you just sure. did. That's great. So now let's say that the scenario has moved. The body is now at the funeral home. Mm -hmm. And the, you're, you, it's time to start dealing with the family and working with the funeral home to begin to plan a service. Mm -hmm. And so just talk to me about kind of the processes you've worked through. What do you, what do, you do to get through that, that planning process? Sure. Well, typically, like the day after, at least, the family's going to go to the funeral home to begin to make their arrangements, determine which casket they're going to use and various other things that they, they discuss with the funeral home. And uh, they'll be talking with them, too, about the timing of the service at that point. Oftentimes, the funeral homes will call me as the pastor and say, uh, so-and-so family is here. Would you be available Thursday afternoon at 2 to conduct the funeral service for their uncle or whatever the, the, the case would be? So you kind of get that squared away with them. And, and let me just say right there, and because and we were talking to some folks from Bright about this. So when you go to a community and you meet these the funeral home people, make sure they have your contact information. Mm -hmm. Give them your cell phone number. Make sure they have your, your home number. Make sure they know who you are and what you're doing. And how, how do you want us to get a hold of you? Because you don't want to miss that call. Mm -hmm. You want that call to come through to you where you are. And so you want to work closely. These are your friends. These are partners in ministry with you at this point. So make sure they have that good contact information. Sure. So you've had the initial contact, either the hospital or wherever. Then the family has gone to the funeral home. They have their information. Now it's time to sit down with the family 
and begin to craft what the funeral service is going to look like. And uh, I think in the home for me, John is the best. Sometimes the family will say, you know, the house is kind of crazy right now. Can we come to the church office? And so they'll come to the church office and, and we'll sit down. And, you know, this is the time just to not be in a big hurry, folks. It's, this is death. This, this is it for that family member. And we need to be very, very respectful, I think, of those family members who have come. And uh, so we'll sit down and I'll begin to say th th things to them like, have you thought about some music that you would like to have in the service? Um, is there anybody else that you wish to speak in the service? There could be a, like a relative who wants to read a poem or to share a story or something like that. Again, I think in that realm, be informed, but be generous. And of course, our close friends from the funeral home, they're the ones really helping to kind of keep the fence around all that so that it's all appropriate you know, for the setting. But begin to write down on a piece of paper or on your iPad or whatever, all the pieces of what they're hoping for and anticipating to be in the service. Sometimes they'll say, you know, just, just select some music. Um, I'm so torn up, I don't know what to think. You know, and so you might select a couple of things and, and, and they'll typically, oh, that's, that's just great. So you wanna think through music. You wanna think through the message, the kind of information you can share in the message. You wanna know what other expectations they have of anybody else who's gonna be speaking or singing in the service. If they've not done so, you wanna talk with them about pallbearers, number of pallbearers, who those pallbearers could be. Maybe the church office can help them arrange pallbearers, that kind of thing. So you wanna to try to get all those pieces together with that family. What I try to do is I just try to write that out and I'll walk that through with them. And then I'll say, okay, let me read this through and talk, talk you through this just to make sure I know exactly what you have in mind. And, and we'll go through that process. And you want to talk about what that might look like as far as the... the yeah, let's do that in just a second, okay. because one of the resources that we have in the pack, and also that it'll be available on Moodle, or not on the website, not Moodle, that's for those online students. I just switched back to distance learning. But on our website is, uh, is kind of an outline okay. of what a service might look like, and also kind of a, uh, a planning guide for some of those questions that you might have you know, concerning uh, who and what and where. And this, again, is why the venue for the service is, can have some impact. Mm -hmm. to, 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 again, know who the funeral home is and then to go to their facility and to look at their chapel, for example, because uh, the, the layout of that chapel, the instrumentation available, the technological capabilities of the funeral home chapel uh, might have some bearing on music, sure. for example, and what kind of music somebody wants as compared to if it's going to be at the church itself or, or someplace else. And so uh, to just recognize some of these practical things. So I'm going to ask at this point, let's go ahead and, and ask for Bright to help us here. I'm going to ask the, the gentleman from Bright to bring in, because during the service, and we'll come back and revisit this, but during the service, um, one of a couple things is going to happen. Either the, the casket, normally the casket will already be preset uh, by the time the service begins, uh, but, uh, but there have been occasions that I've experienced where the casket is actually brought in while some people are already there. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go ahead and bring this in uh, and, and begin to address the actual memorial service Itself. And again, we're so appreciative to Bright Funeral Home here in Wake Forest, North Carolina, who have been so helpful to us. Uh, and we've been dialoguing back and forth, making sure that we cover things that they found would be helpful as well. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Now, students and those watching, uh, this, this image itself, thank you so much, gentlemen, this image itself can, can be quite startling for some. Again, I know many students who would say 
that and, and or have said the first funeral they ever attended they were officiating and so uh, to recognize this imagery and what it's going to look like and to recognize, we're going to talk through this a little bit, there can be regional and cultural variations of everything we're getting ready to walk through with you. Okay? So not only when I go to a new place do I want to get to know the experts in this, in this ministry, in the funeral home ministry, I need to understand my culture. And the way that you saw a funeral done in Virginia will not necessarily be the same way a funeral is done in Oklahoma mm-hmm. or Arizona or California. Uh, and certainly then if you're in a cross-cultural international scenario, you'd have all kinds of other issues that you would want to address. So we'll try to walk through that. So we're meeting with the family. Mm-hmm. We're, we're finding out some of the pieces of the service. So now let's talk about the, the actual service itself. We need to talk about kind of the, the choreography and the order of service, and then also even the message itself and what all goes into that. So. All right. By the way, Wright is offering this 10% off today. If you're interested in buying a casket while you're a student at Southeastern, 10% deal. And uh, there are coupons in your packet for no, I'm I'm absolutely going to put a line in Lifeway uh, next week. (laughs) Dr. Rayner doesn't know about that. That's right. Lifeway caskets. There you go. Wow. When it's uh, that'll get me me in trouble. We'll edit that later. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, let's say you're you're going to Bright Funeral Home. It's going to be 11 a.m. service. So right at 11 o'clock, you've gotten there probably 20 minutes before that, okay? It's good to get there a little early, make sure everything's in place. Those who are supposed to sing are there and kind of give you a little time. I just like, like to kind of be there and kind of feel how things are and touch base with the family. And, and generally, oftentimes, we'll like to have prayer with the family. Uh, if it's at our church, we'll have a, like a Sunday school classroom to go into, and I'll pray with the family. And then it's time for the minister to go into the service. And so I'd slip on in and sit on the platform area. And typically the family is brought in at that juncture and there's a, spe- a specific area uh, for them to be seated. And so they'll be seated. Now, does the, the congregation rise when the yes. family comes Thank in you, here? Because uh, I just don't it know. It is true cause, here. Because regionally, sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. Sometimes was, when the family comes in, everybody else stands in their honor. In the Midwest. Kind of like a bride during their wedding. Yeah, I was pastored in St. Louis for 11 and a half years and that was not the case yeah. there. Yeah. And, uh, but here it is. It's much more the tradition when it's time for the family to come in. You'll ask the family to stand, uh, the congregation to stand. People will stand. Family will come in. Then you have everybody be seated. And then it's time to start, depending on whatever is going to be the first in that process. What I like is a, in a very simple approach is to begin the service once everybody's there. Begin with just a little word of welcome. Thank the people who are there for their care for the family these last several days. They've gone through a great deal, of course. Some of the folks there brought food. They prayed for them. They spent time with them. They've mowed their yard. They've washed their clothes, all that. So take time just to thank them. Kind of try to set a positive note, a helpful, thankful, even kind of an upbeat note, uh, sort of the atmosphere of that moment. Sometimes the next step is a good place. If there's going to be a couple of songs, for example, in the service. Sometimes right next is a good, good place to have a song, something that's positive and appropriate for that setting. Following that song, I like to read scripture and then have prayer. Might read 10, 15 verses, not time to uh, talk a great deal about those, text, those various texts, but just to read the scripture, then to pray. Then it's a good time, I think, to have a, a second song. Again, you can vary this. There's nothing uh, sacred about this particular process, but a second song would be good at that point. Then it's time, in my perspective, for the message. I get up, 
And guys, depending on who you read and where you've been, what you've heard and all that kind of thing, typically funeral messages are they're, they're briefer than what you'd preach on Sunday morning or mm -hmm. some other time. John, I, I try to think in terms of maybe 12 minutes, mm -hmm. maybe 14 right in there, probably max that up, depending on the person, depending on the family in that situation, and try to cover a variety of things, of course, in that process. Then at some juncture, then close the message with prayer. And then it's either time to move on out, or you could at that juncture have another song and then have a time when you ask everybody to stand up. And at that juncture, if you've been on the platform behind the casket, typically here the process is that you would come and you would stand by the head of the casket where the head of the person is, is lying. Of course, here the casket is closed. In the Midwest, interestingly left, oftentimes yeah. the, the casket would be left open during the service. Right. And then at the end of the service, there'd be a second time for people to file by and the family members will be the last ones to come and file by the open casket. And oftentimes in the Midwest, the casket's closed during the message, opened up again at the end of the message. So John's exactly right. Yeah. Get to know the local uh, funeral home and their directions for you. But anyway, after the message, you're going to stand there. The funeral home employees will come in. And they'll prepare to guide the casket out. And at that juncture, you just kind of lead the way out. You don't have to say anything or do anything. So you're walking out the center aisle or whatever the aisle is that's been chosen, and they're following you out, okay, all the way to the casket, and what I, all the way to the hearse. And then what I do is I just stand by the back of the hearse. The door will be opened and just get out of the way because the funeral home employees and then with the pallbearers are going to stand on either side of that casket, and they're going to set that casket into the back of the hearse. So you need to be there and stand there, but there's nothing more that you do except stay out of the way. Right. So let me just layer a couple of cultural, regional variations here. Uh, one is, uh, uh, and let me make a couple points. A is how do you dress during a funeral? There was a day when I would never have to address the dress <laughs> that you need to dress with, but I need to address it anymore. I got a phone call the other day from a, a very upset church member in this state, not a church I'm affiliated with, who was asking me what we were training people here at Southeastern. And they said, do you not have a dress code at Southeastern? And I began to dialogue about some of those issues. But then they basically said that their youth minister showed up, and it was at the viewing the night before, which we're going to talk about in a minute. We're going to talk about what happens the night before and then also the graveside in just a second, on the bookends of the service. And he showed up in a tank top, pair of shorts, flip-flops with the sunglasses on his head at a senior adult's viewing the night before the funeral. And of course, everyone else there was in uh, more formal attire than that. And my response initially to that is, well, it's hard to fix stupid, isn't it? Um, and then I, I suggested that that student obviously would not have been taught that, that kind of approach here and that we need to be sensitive to this culture. And even in a church where perhaps you don't preach in a coat and tie ever or wear such things anymore, be sensitive to weddings and funerals and learn your culture and the expectation. Because even if you might not wear a coat and tie in a worship service or in any other part of your life, two areas of life where you might have to dress up more are still weddings and funerals. And so become very sensitive to that. Ask people who you trust in that congregation before you show up because the last thing you want to do is be a distraction because of the way you're dressed 
when that should not be part of the equation at all. So, so I wanted to throw that out. And then the other thing is, is again, uh, normally you're going to start off, everything Bill has said is pretty standard for most of my experience too, until when we address again at the end. In, in a lot of scenarios, the farther west you go, uh, in the U.S., it seems like, and I don't want to overgeneralize that, you need to learn your place, that the casket would often be open during the service. Now, obviously, that is conditional on many, many things. That casket may never be open. The condition of the remains, et cetera, uh, may dictate that there's going to be no opening of that casket whatsoever. But very often, the casket stays open, as you mentioned, and that I'm standing here at the head at the end of the service, and then it's a choreography of the people coming by again. All the friends come first, and you literally will stand here and shake hands with every one of them. Mm -hmm. And they'll tell you what a great service it was, and you'll say, God bless you, to every <laughs> single person who walks by. And then the family, then they're, and then they're ushered out of the chapel. This is very common where I'm from. They'll be ushered out of the chapel. Then the family remains in whatever zone they're in. Then they'll come uh, in some kind of order. And, they'll, and then finally, usually, if there's a spouse, they'll come and they'll spend a moment there. Now, at that moment, this is much more intimate. This is much more pastoral. I'm there, and I have literally had to catch them and hold them up uh, because of the emotion of the moment and help them during this time. And then a, a, a tradition where I'm coming from is then they would be reseated right there in the chapel and the funeral home uh, workers would come and they would begin to close and prepare the casket. And while they're doing that, I'll stand right in front of that and lead everyone in a prayer. And so while they're praying, this is all being prepared to be removed. And so that choreography is something that, that was very common where I'm from, mm -hmm. but I hear that it's not very common the further east that I go to yeah. do all of that. Yeah. that. That's something that's more Western. John, I would add to that uh, for all of the, our, our young ministers, particularly going to your first setting at that moment, if you're, whether it's then or um, before anybody else views the, the body and the family comes to the funeral home for the first time, uh, boy, sometimes that can be uh, intensely emotional. And so when that family is around the casket, and it may be the last time that they see yeah. this loved one. Yeah. Um, you need to have your wits about you because I have seen families got pretty excited and they began to lean on the open casket. Yeah. And there was, there was sufficient weight and muscle that could have flipped the thing over. That would not have made it for a good day no. at all for any, any of us. So have your wits about you. And you may need to step in at some juncture if it gets too jazzed up emotionally or if they start saying things or acting really inappropriate as a pastor, you need to step in and say, no, brethren, you know, yeah. we need to go ahead and tie this right. up. And, and at that point, you really are officiating. Yes. And yes. you need to see yourself as that. And, and most of the time, they'll respect you in that. True. And it's really rare. Now, I, ha I have had occasions where the, the casket was opened at the graveside. Very, very rare, mm -hmm. even in my experience. Very rare. But I have had that happen. But that's been very, very unusual. I would not plan on that normally. So the night before, usually, or the day before, and in some scenarios I've been in culturally, they last a long time. Mm -hmm. You have either a wake or often called a viewing or visitation. I've seen those three words. Do you have any other word? Yeah, you know, wake, a viewing, or visitation. In some parts of the country, that is a much bigger deal than the memorial service. Mm -hmm. More people will come to that 
to pay their respects to the family than actually show up at the service. Other parts of the country is just the opposite. And you as the pastor or leader need to recognize my presence needs to be weighed in that same way. There are some scenarios where I needed to be at the viewing for a fairly extended period. There was an expectation I was going, not necessarily the whole time, because mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen him last a long time, yeah. like even days. Um, but there was an expectation that I would have a solid presence there. And when I had other staff members and deacons, we would rotate our presence at those things sometimes. And often there's food. Um, some funeral homes have, you know, they have viewing rooms, obviously, for this. If you've not been to a, fun a funeral home, they'll have a viewing place for this to take place. Uh, some even have kitchens set up, some places for the family to, to go rest and eat and all kinds of things in certain parts of the country. So this can be a very big deal. And you come and you sign in. And so, um, you know, you usually sign the book there and, and the family is there uh, in shifts or the whole time. And it's an opportunity to actually sit down and to visit with the family. And so that's often a very big deal. Um, and in some parts of the country, uh, like I say, they can be quite extended periods of time. In other parts of the country, the memorial service itself is the big moment. Uh, and so you might find that when there's a big viewing or visitation the, the days before, the attendance at the actual services is, is quite small. Mm -hmm. and of so. course, now they're adding this other feature where, especially in cases of uh, elderly people who, who are dying, who die, to do the, the visitation an hour before mm -hmm. or so, before the service, it makes it more convenient. It keeps uh, elder, uh, elderly friends from having to get out at night. And so if the service is 11, sometimes 9.30 or so, they'll have a viewing and people can come and visit with family. And frankly, I kind of like that. I think that's been very helpful and, and encouraging to the family. And then a few minutes before the service, they'll kind of shut things down and move everybody into place and then prepare for the, for the memorial service itself. All right. So we've left the, we, or the, or the, the casket is now in the hearse. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, I mean, and this, this is just part of it. Where are you riding? Mm -hmm. And this is, and this depends on context. Sometimes you're actually going to ride with the family. Sometimes there's a special car the funeral home has provided, and you you have a seat in it. Sometimes you're driving yourself, and it, and it, and I've I've been in all these situations. So you need to find out ahead of time how am I getting to the cemetery, mm -hmm. you know, from the funeral home. Make sure you get that worked out. And then, of course, you'll drive. And if you're often, I've had to lead, which is kind of, I don't like that. I don't like, you know, <laughs> I'm running red lights, but uh, I've done that before. And then you get to the cemetery. And so, what do you do, Bill? You, you know, the hearse is pulled up. You're there now. You're out. What do you do? Let me back up uh, just one step Go here, back John. over here and let you okay. choreography we're, here. We're just, we're just we're having a dance here at the All campus. Right, that's good. Um, if you're going to go to the cemetery in your car, when you arrive for the service, you touch base with one of the funeral home employees and say, I'm going to take my own car. Yeah. Will you show me where to park? Either when it's on their campus or it's on your campus. So let them put you in that, in that order right. so that you're not trying to catch That's up right. later. So, but at the cemetery, everybody's arrived there. So what I do is get out of the car and I go stand at the, the back of the hearse and wait for the pallbearers. Pallbearers will come. If you're a home employee, will come. They'll open the door. They'll instruct the pallbearers on what to do as far as receiving the casket out of the back of the hearse. And, and then they'll point you, of course, the typical will be a tent and a hole in the ground. You'll know where the, where the graveside is going to be. And when those pallbearers have, have lifted that casket, then I just start walking ahead of them, making my way toward the tent and toward uh, where the grave has been dug. And if I've not been told by a funeral home employee which side the head will be at, I'll, there will always be somebody who's been a part of digging the grave 
there at the 10th, and I'll say to that employee, yeah. which side is the head at? And it's going to be that side or that side, one or the other. And so I think our, our tradition has been for the minister to stand at the head, where the head of the body is, at the head of the grave. And then I'll just, if he says it's on this end, then I'll step at this end, but I'll give plenty of birth for the pallbearers to come through there and place the casket uh, on the lowering device at the grave. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'll stand, and then all the family will come and guest right. uh, to be seated and stand around the grave. And then once they're seated, often the funeral home director will kind of give you a cue. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's here. We're all ready to go, or, or you'll be able to tell that. And then you start the graveside service, mm-hmm. which needs to last uh, really just a few moments. It's yeah. not a long experience now. Uh, there are going to be interesting add-ons that can take place mm-hmm. at a graveside service military for example mm-hmm. masonic lodge uh uh and and the the female equivalents of of all of the masonic lodge uh to where they have uh they have some things that they do often at the graveside and if you're not familiar with masonic traditions and and some of the rituals that they do my preference for the the masons is i'm going to do what i'm going to do and at that point i'm going to get out of the way yeah. and then they can do what they're going to do if that's going to happen. Military is often incorporated mm-hmm. to where you might have taps, you could have gun salutes, you certainly you, you'll have a flag, and there'll be a folding of a flag and the presentation of the flag to the nearest of kin. And so, and then usually I, that all happens, and then I would close in prayer. I'd usually do my thing, let the military do its thing, and then close in prayer is kind of how yeah. I do it. What, sure. what do you want to add to the graveside? Uh, I think brevity is important. You're, you're really, you're, you're getting closure here. You've had the service. It's been emotional. It's been difficult. But this is the final spot, at least in human terms. So you, you need to very quickly arrive at closure for the family. So I, I agree, John, just whatever else is going to go on, military or otherwise. And then the scripture, basically, read some scripture. 23rd Psalm is very appropriate. Uh, John 14, you know, something, six, seven, eight, ten verses. And then pray. And then, John, after that, typically what I do after I've prayed is, the family will be seated on the front row uh, there, and I'll go to each family member and shake their hand and say, we'll continue to pray for you, or God bless you, I thought your family did a great job. Something of that nature, say something briefly, just make my way across uh, to those family members and then kind of step outside mm-hmm. the tent. Then many times here, there'll be a process whereby the pallbearers, if they have boutonnieres, they'll come and they'll place those on top of the casket, and then they'll ask them to come outside and line up then somebody from the funeral home will actually close the service and say to the family, we've completed the service, and why don't you come speak to your old pallbearers, and then folks will follow. Sure. And sometimes the family might go, and they might want to, to save a rose off of mm-hmm. an arrangement or something. There'll be a moment like that that they'll have before they, before they leave. But at that point, I usually hang around for a few moments just sure. to see if, if one of the family members really mm-hmm. wants to say something to me. Uh, for a few moments. I don't linger long usually at that point because I'm going to follow up and, mm-hmm. and see them later. Now, the one exception to all this is, is sometimes I have done services, usually for non-church members, people I don't know, and it's a graveside only. Mm-hmm. And so when it's the graveside only, I do extend it just a little bit sure. and I cover some of the basic ideas of what I would have shared in the message there at the graveside. But again, it's still not going to be very, very long uh, but but I am going to go ahead and share hope and the gospel and a few things there. Yeah, I think, you know, for ministers, keep your eyes open there, too, because there may be somebody in the family or some of the friends who've just been unusually moved. And maybe it's emotionally. 
uh, they've been just really moved in such a very special way. Um, when I was in St. Louis, I conducted a funeral for a young man who died of, uh, of AIDS, got a bad needle, and had some bad habits, and had a girlfriend. And so the family, after he died, the family asked me to conduct his funeral, did. And at the graveside, the girlfriend, of course, was just undone. Mm -hmm. And I walked over to her and I said, you know, we talked today a bit about the hope that can, can be ours in Christ. In a couple of weeks, it'll be okay if one of the deacons and I came by and visited with you. We'll, we'll call them, we'll make an appointment. Will that be okay? She said, oh, yes, please do. And so two weeks later, we led her to Christ in her home. Now, that's, that's unusual. That doesn't happen all the time. But kind of keep your eyes on maybe sure. somebody who's really, they're dealing with this thing, and you may need to say a word to them. Sure. But typically, I'd say you're pretty short of the grace of Sure. And sometimes, again, this is cultural, sometimes after the service is over, someone has prepared a luncheon for the family mm -hmm. or they're gathering at the home, and they very often would invite you to come mm -hmm. and be a part of that time of fellowship and, and comfort with them. And I always try to go, if at all possible. And, uh, and so, and, and there, there's, uh, in some parts of the country, just to add a couple of things, this is very rare, but in some parts of the country, the, the parade, as I call it, out of the funeral home into the, mm -hmm. to the grave is more extensive. Uh, I know places that have flower girls, and that's what they call them, to where women of the church, it's kind of like the, uh, it's, it's, it'd be like pallbearers, but these are some ladies, and the ladies actually care, care. This is an old tradition from country churches who have cemeteries next door, and how do we get the flowers from inside around the grave? It was actually a very practical thing. Mm -hmm. And it's also a Native American tradition where I'm from. And the flower girls actually carry the floral arrangements from inside the chapel or the church out and put them into a car. And then at the cemetery, they get them and actually, so you have the pastor and then the flower girls mm -hmm. and then the pallbearers and the, the casket. That'd be pretty rare. You'd have to be in certain parts of the country. But just to, to think through that there, there are different traditions everywhere you go and be ready for the unexpected. Now we, we are out of time, but be ready for the unexpected. There, there, I could tell stories. If, if you could get away with writing a book about funny stories at funerals without being considered somehow uncouth uh, or insensitive, uh, I have been asked to wear a bulletproof vest to perform a, a funeral before when the family was in a fight the night before and uh, law enforcement was afraid of what was going to happen. It was a very tragic scenario. and. Was that I did not wear the bulletproof vest, but uh, but I've been asked that. I've had to help break up a fight at the graveside, uh, where they did open the casket, and the mistress of the dead man came and uh, kissed the uh, dead body, and the wife stood up, and there was suddenly a fight right in front of the casket, about knocked the casket over. I looked over at my friend who's the funeral home director, and I said, Neil, how do you, how, they didn't teach me in seminary how to stop this. And Neil said, stop it. I want to sell tickets, you know, but then he reached down to that was for the bright funeral home guys. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I mean, you, you never know what might happen. Hopefully that will never happen to you, but be ready for the unexpected. Most of the time it'll be an emotional outbreak yeah. or, or collapse. I have had people faint mm -hmm. uh, and things like that as well. So just be ready. I think, John, a good rule of thumb, and this has been addressed, just touched on several times. When you go to a new place, to serve on a church staff, find the most respected man or woman in the church and sit them down and say, tell me how funerals are conducted here. Somebody's been there a long time. Let them talk you through that. Hear, hear their story. That's, that is a part of their history. You're, you're starting a new chapter for their history, but hear their history as far as from the church member's perspective, how funerals are conducted there. Then maybe on the same day, go to the funeral home or funeral homes that are nearby 
that most of your people use, sit down with the director or one of the employees and say, tell me uh, about how the process of funerals are conducted here. So do your work on the front end, learning that culture, learning those traditions, and it will help you in the long run if you'll do that at the start. No, that's great. Bill Boyer, thank you so much for being with us and appreciate, appreciate everybody here who's been with us. For those of you who are watching, uh, we just extend our appreciation to you and, and hope that this is a help. We may be adding more resources as we continue to develop this package together. Just remember that, this, that moments of death are inevitable in life. And the, these are incredible opportunities for ministry and care and sensitivity uh, and for the gospel to be heard. And so prepare yourself ahead of time. Prepare yourself ahead of time. Be ready for those moments so that God can use you uh, to comfort and to minister to others. Thank you all so much for being here, and uh, thank you all for watching.